My name is Rick Thompson, and I'm the superintendent of the Great Lakes District of the Evangelical Free Church of America. And we're really grateful that God has entrusted to us around 200 churches and church plants across five states. We have a staff of around 15 full and part-time people. And we see God working in some marvelous ways in our mission statement of glorifying God by multiplying transformational churches among all people. And I consider this church, Evanston Bible Fellowship, to be one of those critical churches within our movement for over three decades. And we're just grateful that God has called you to be part of us and you've made such an important contribution to us through the years. And now we rejoice with you that God has called your new pastor, Tim Allen. And uh, we're just grateful, Tim, that God's brought you to Chicagoland. And it's been an answered prayer just to see God work to bring about amazing agreement in this decision. The passage of scripture that I'd like us to look at today as a charge to both pastor and people is 1 Peter chapter 5, and we'll look at verse 1 to 7 from the New International Version. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Young men in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. And clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. And cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Our Father, please make your word live in our hearts today. We thank you so much for this day of rejoicing. and We pray that your word would impact us deeply because we've gathered in the name of Jesus. And we pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The central commands of 1 Peter chapter 5 commend to us humility. We see that the main idea is that we are to clothe ourselves with humility toward one another. We're to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And if there's anybody who can speak to us about pride and humility, it has to be Peter. He knows what it is to have that pride before a fall. Lord, everybody else may desert you, but I never will. And he also knows the gentle and humble heart of Jesus 
restoring him to service. Three times on that great scene on the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee, as Peter three times reaffirms that he loves the Lord and is willing to serve. And so Peter has the credentials to speak to us about humility and pride and the dimensions of it. And it's interesting in this passage that clearly he directs the first verses here in our passage to the elders, the leaders of the local church. And then he turns his focus to young men, young people, and how they relate to those who are older. And then he directs his attention to all of God's people after that focus on the young first. And so that's going to be our outline. That's what we're going to look at. And I hope that we'll be able to hear some words of encouragement as a congregation and also some charges, especially to Tim, as he moves into the ministry that God's entrusted to him. And so we see that Peter begins, To the elders among you I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that's under your care, serving as overseers. It's interesting that Peter begins by speaking to the elders, and he says, To the elders among you I appeal to you. And this word, appeal, is a great word. It's the Greek word parakaleo. It comes from two words, para meaning parallel to and kaleo to call to. And so the idea is to come alongside somebody and speak to them or call to them as a peer, as a friend, as a fellow elder. And so Peter comes with humility. He comes not exalting himself above others, but he comes with a humble and gentle spirit like his Lord. And Tim, I trust that as you begin your ministry, even as Peter begins this passage, that you'll be characterized by this kind of humility to come alongside of, to encourage other leaders and everybody that God brings you in contact with. Now, Peter uses all three of the main terms for leaders of the local church here. He speaks to the elders. He says, be shepherds, serving as overseers. Now, the world has CEOs, chief executive officers, but the church has SEOs, shepherd, elder, overseers. And I really think that's beautiful. One thing that I've observed as I've traveled from church to church as a district superintendent is that the healthy churches are characterized not so much by powerful programs and beautiful buildings, although those are, although those are fine, but what I see at the core of healthy transformational churches are these kinds of leaders. Leaders with a shepherd's heart. Humble shepherds at every level of the local church. And so, it's great here that Peter unpacks for us and he gives us identifiers of what a shepherd's heart looks like 
He goes deeper so that we can see these and know these and develop these, Tim, in yourself and in those that you serve. And so you'll notice that first in the scripture, he says here that those with a shepherd's heart serve not because we must, but because we're willing, as God wants us to be. Willing. Isn't it great that God doesn't force anybody to do anything? And we love those words of Isaiah chapter 6 when Isaiah says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who will go for us? Who will we send? And Isaiah says, Here am I. Send me. And so it is, that's the way it is, that God calls, God sends. We respond to his voice. And if we take on a responsibility because some person is pressuring us, or because nobody else will do something, that's not a good enough reason. In fact, it's a bad reason. The reason we take on responsibilities, and Tim, I trust that's true for you as you come into this new role, is because of God's call. And you're willing and eager to serve. Erwin Lutzer, pastor of Moody Church, read a great article, Does God Still Call? Way back in Moody Monthly Days. And I tore it out and I've used it and I've gone back to it again and again. And he gives a definition there of God's call. He says, God's call is an inner conviction of the Holy Spirit. Confirmed by the word of God and the body of Christ. And so it is that, Tim, it's great that God has given you an inner conviction of the Holy Spirit to come here to Chicago and serve Evanston Bible Fellowship. And the leaders of this church examined you according to Holy Scripture. Are you qualified according to the qualifications of an elder that we see in 1 Timothy, of an overseer in 1 Timothy 3? And then the congregation sought the Lord. And it was a great story of God bringing agreement. Yes, we affirm, we confirm that God is calling you, Tim, to serve our congregation. And so when the going gets tough and the seasons of hardship come, I trust you'll go back to that inner conviction of the Holy Spirit and the fact that God confirmed his call upon your life through the priesthood of all the believers. And so it is that we serve, not because we must, but because we're willing. And we serve, not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Hirelings work for the, the salary. And then when the wolf comes, they run away, according to John chapter 10. Where the good shepherd is willing to lay down his life, he's willing to sacrifice himself in the service of God, in the service of his people. And even the world recognizes the value of sacrificial service. During this COVID-19 time, I've watched some World War II movies from uh, the European theater, and you see these German officers with this iron cross hanging around their neck. And it's interesting to go back into the history of where this comes from. 
It seems that during the 1800s, King Wilhelm II of Prussia was running out of money and needed money for his kingdom and his wars. And so he made an appeal to the women of the land. And he asked them to bring their gold and their silver jewelry to the treasuries of the state and melt it down. And then they received in return for their sacrificial service a piece of metal in the shape of a cross that had stamped across the back of it. I gave gold for iron. 1813. And so was born the Order of the Iron Cross. And it was a symbol to women all over the land of sacrificial service. So that even the world understands that. And Tim, I trust that you will have that spirit of sacrificial service motivated by the Lord's sacrifice for you as you sacrifice yourself for God's sheep. And the third example we have here of characteristic or identifier of a shepherd's heart is not lording it over the others, but proving to be an example. Our son David, our oldest son, is the international director of Operation Christmas Child that is part of Samaritan's Purse. And he opened the door for me to be able to go a few years ago to Niger, Africa for a pastor's conference. And around 100 different pastors gathered from across that very poor Muslim land. And we gathered together. We studied the scriptures, and one of the passages I took us into was 1 Peter chapter 5. And as we came to this place about not lording it over those that are entrusted to our care, but being an example, I asked them, can you think of uh, some leaders you've experienced who lorded over you? And it was like I lit a match on fire. And for just so many minutes, people stood and shared stories of pastors who scolded their congregations from the pulpit. Pastors who did everything themselves, never developing leaders, never giving away responsibility. Pastors who weren't making disciples, but were building their own little kingdoms. There's all kinds of different ways that this happens, lording it over. But Peter says, don't lord it over. There's only one Lord. But you prove to be an example. And Tim, I trust that God will deeply embed this in your heart. And one of the ways that we, I think, can be an example and lead in this way is by apprenticing other leaders. And so it is that I would really encourage you as you develop your ministry in the years and time ahead until the Lord, as long as the Lord gives you, I really encourage you to have in your heart the development of younger leaders. Developing lay leaders who have many gifts that need to be brought out. And this is an amazing place with Northwestern and Trinity and Moody and other schools so close, young 
emerging leaders. We call them in the Great Lakes District, Young Eagles. And I trust that God will give you a heart to do this, to apprentice younger leaders and to build a culture of apprenticing across Evanston Bible Fellowship. And that's been done for years in many ways, and that you'll continue that in new and exciting dimensions, that elders will apprentice young leaders, that those who lead Bible studies will do that in ministries, and you'll look for ways to lead by example by entrusting and empowering others. And so Peter now turns his attention to younger leaders. It's interesting that he has this focus here. In the same way you who are younger, submit to those who are older. It's interesting that he brings this focus as he talks about humility and pride. And so it is that we can see that in younger leaders, when there's a humility there, if there's a student in school and they're humble and they listen under, which is what the, what the word to submit means, is to listen under and to give proper respect to a person in authority, the student in the classroom who has that kind of humble spirit learns grows and develops. And so it is that young leaders, if they don't want to listen to anybody, they don't want to listen to a coach, they don't want to listen to somebody who's older, why should they listen to anybody? They know it all. That kind of pride just undercuts everything. But one, younger leaders and young people and at every level, listen to those who are older, who don't see the older leaders as those who are the old guard standing in the way of progress, but they recognize that there is maturity there that's come through the seasoning of years. There's a humility there that really leads to the development of the person. And now Peter turns his attention to all of us, and he says, now all of us are to clothe ourselves with humility toward one another. And I like to think of the fact that, you know, we carefully get up in the morning when we're going out somewhere for a responsibility, and we carefully choose our clothes. And Peter says, clothe yourselves at the same time with humility toward one another. And he gives us three reasons as to why we need to do this. The first reason that he gives us for clothing ourselves with humility toward one another is because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This word oppose is an interesting word. It comes out of a military context. It's a picture of a general who arrays his armies against an enemy. And this passage of Scripture says that God arrays himself against the arrogant. But he gives grace to the humble. God entrusted three children to us. Now they're parents and they're older. In their 30s, one I think is 40. And when we were raising them, though, and the three were together, and the two boys were 18 months apart, and our daughter was a few years younger, as our children were growing up, if they listened to each other, if 
they looked out for each other. We would just want to do everything we could for them. But if they started to lord it over, if they started to not listen, if they started to be just about their own personal interests, and never looked out for the interests of the other child, we felt like arraying ourselves against them. And so it is, uh, I just want to encourage you as God's people, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because I believe that's probably one of the greatest things you can do for your new pastor. As your new pastor sees you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, looking out for each other, listening to each other, respecting each other, submitting to one another in love, it makes the responsibility of being a leader so much easier. And so one of the reasons we clothe ourselves with humility toward one another is that God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. A second reason is that God says that, Peter says here that we can clothe ourselves with humility and humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God because he will raise us up at the proper time. The word humility is a beautiful word and literally it means to bring ourselves down low to bring ourselves down low to serve, to bring ourselves low to listen, to bring ourselves low to wait. And so we think of Joseph, a young man, a young leader, separated from his family, in Potiphar's house in a prison. But he walks with humility and faithfulness, and then at the right time, God raises him to be the prime minister of all Egypt. We think of Moses humbly taking after his, looking after his father-in-law's sheep. And then at the right time, God raises Moses up to be the shepherd of his people. We think of Jesus, of course, humbling himself even to a death on the cross, and God raised him from the dead and gave him the name above every name. And so at the right time, God, if we'll wait upon him, will raise us up. And my charge to you as the people of Evanston Bible Fellowship is to have a spirit of being willing to wait. I hope that you'll wait for your new pastor and not put all kinds of pressure on him. I hope you'll wait for him to be led by the Lord. I hope you'll wait and let him make some mistakes as he takes risks. I hope that you'll wait to give him the room to lead, along with the other elders, in interaction with all of God's people. And so it is, I encourage you toward clothing yourselves with humility toward one another because God gives grace to the humble. Because he'll lift you up and your ideas and your purposes and your thoughts at the proper time. And finally, we're encouraged to clothe ourselves with humility by casting our cares on Christ because he cares for us. 
F.B. Meyer was one of the great preachers of the 19th century. And in his book on Peter, he writes this about casting our cares, our anxieties, our worries. He says, care, according to the Greek word, is that which divides and distracts the soul and diverts us from present duty to weary calculations of how to meet conditions that will never arise. Fret, worry, anxiety, the habit of anticipating evil, of crossing bridges before we reach them, that is care. And two things come between our soul and unshadowed fellowship with God, and that is sin and care. And we must be as resolute to cast our cares on the Lord as we are to confess our sins to the Lord. Casting all our cares on him because he cares for us. You know, it's helped me to see that we cast not our responsibilities on the Lord. No, we are to be responsible. That's not what Peter's talking about here. He's talking about those things that are fears of the future, pressures that pile up, the feelings that we have. We can cast those on the Lord, knowing that he cares for us. And one of the things that I've discovered is that when I don't do this, when I try to carry all these cares myself and I just let the pressures of the, of the present pile up upon me and I'm trying to handle them myself and I don't in prayer cast them on the Lord who cares for me, I begin to, I'm beginning to see that when I do that, it's just pride. Because the humble person casts their cares on the Lord and discovers again and again and again that the Lord does care for us and we can experience that every day. I want to close with an illustration that I read years ago in a little book called Preaching the Resurrection by a man named D.T. Niles. And he was a pastor a hundred years ago actually in what is presently today Sri Lanka, a little island off of India, and he was a Christian leader there, and he attended a meeting as a young emerging leader. And the man who spoke at that meeting told a story. And he told the story about three university students walking through the streets of Paris one Easter weekend. And as they watched people flowing into the churches, they just mocked them as dumb sheep and following superstitions. And as these three young bucks were walking down the street, one of them said, their leader said to, uh, one of the guys said to the leader, I dare you to go into that little church over there and find the pastor and tell him what we've been talking about. And so the young man said, okay, I'll do that. So he went in to this little church. He found the pastor. He told him that he thought that religion was superstitious, the churches were dying, and he felt sorry for him. And the pastor looked at him, and this wise old pastor looked at him and said, why'd you come in here? 
And the young man said, well, you know, our friends were talking. And he told them the story and explained why he'd come in and said this. And then the old pastor said to him, well, I have a challenge for you. I want you to go to the front of our church, and there is a cross, and there is a crucified Christ upon it. And I want you to stand in front of that, and I want you to say out loud, Jesus died for me, and I don't give up. So the young man did. Came back to the old pastor and told him he'd done that. The old pastor said, well, it doesn't mean anything to you. Do it again. So the young man went back and looked at that crucified Christ. This time he stammered and said it again. And then he came back to the old pastor, and the old pastor said to him, just one more time before you leave, do it again. And so this time that young man went back, and he stood, and he looked at that crucified Christ. And he stood there for a long time. And something in him broke. That pride broke. And he came back to that old pastor. And he said, I'm ready to repent. And that old leader at that meeting where D.T. Niles was said, I was that young man. I love that story because it points us to the fact that the beginning point for all of us is to repent of our pride and receive Jesus Christ, the crucified one who died, who was buried, who was raised, and who lives to be our Lord. And so I'd encourage you to turn to Jesus today. And as we turn to him, he says, now clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. And we can do that because Christ cares for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day of celebration. We thank you for Tim. We thank you that you've called him to be the pastor, the shepherd, elder overseer of this congregation serving alongside other elders and leaders and the priesthood of all the believers in all their ministries and dimensions. And Lord, we trust that you will help him to have a shepherd's heart at every level and develop that as he leads with that example. And we pray for a congregation that will clothe themselves with humility toward one another. We pray that together they will experience an outpouring of your spirit in powerful ways that will bring people to Jesus Christ to see his glory and to reflect that into this community. And so we pray this today. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen.